to People Like Us, a podcast for and about third culture kids everywhere. I'm Jen Mohindra. I'm also a TCK and I have a Facebook group for TCK adults called, unsurprisingly, People Like Us. So hello and welcome to today's episode of People Like Us. And today I'm excited to be talking with somebody who I've interacted with and I'm sure many of you TCKs from Facebook will, will be familiar with the name, Barry Barnes. Barry, welcome. Thank you for joining me today. Well, thank you. I'm glad to be here. It's nice to have you. So my first question as always, Barry, please tell me, where did you grow up? <laughs> um, well, um, I grew up mostly in the U.S. Um, my father was in um, the United States Air Force. I'm older than a lot of um, TCKs. I was born during World War II on an Air Force base. And um, when I was an infant, my father went overseas in, uh, during World War II. And um, I lived in various places with grandparents and all that. That was the custom back then during the war. The, the mothers, wives usually moved um, back to their families. And uh, so I lived alternately with both sets of grandparents. And then when my dad came back from the war, um, he tried the civilian life for a while. And um, there just weren't many jobs after World War II. There was a big, a huge recession that lasted several years. And um, a, a lot of this hasn't been captured much in American history about the tough times. Uh, the wives had usually gone to work during the war, you know, in the armaments or some area of the defense industry. And then um, the custom then, it was a very patriarchal society, was to um, um, fire the women and hire the men. And, um, but even there, there just wasn't much work. It was a big crash because we were a military industrial uh, um, economy and suddenly that wasn't needed anymore. Mm. So um, my dad, um, he, he worked for a little while for American Airlines and then he rejoined the Air Force. And um, we lived in, by the time I was 19, we lived in 41 different houses, which I've never heard anybody that has lived in more. <laughs> it was um, a very awkward and painful um, uh, upbringing in that sense. Um, my father was a career man, and so he just wasn't around very much. Um, uh, during the war, my brother, my older brother, remembered dad and pined for him. And so when dad came back, my brother tried to have a relationship with him. I had no idea who this guy was, and, and he scared me. Mm. And um, so I was never close to dad. Plus, he was a military man, uh, and they were um, strict disciplinarians and highly compartmentalized. He was probably somewhat traumatized by the war. And um, so I grew up as an introvert who constantly moved, you know, sometimes three times in a school year and um, or more. I went to a total of 12 different schools and two universities. And um, um, 
the, most of it was stateside, but then we moved when I was a young teenager to the Philippines. And it was, um, it was an eye opener for me. And it was also the most delightful period of my life. Um, I loved the Philippine culture. I loved their, um, I loved the countryside. It's a beautiful uh, Luzon Island. Their main island is, it's a beautiful island. We traveled a lot as a family. Um, I had my girl, first girlfriend there, and my girlfriend and I went to a lot of uh, village festivals, you know, by ourselves. A lot of military people, when they're stationed overseas, they just hang around on the base mm. and don't really interact that much with the local culture, whereas we did. My high school had um, a good number of exchange programs with a lot of the Filipino high schools, so we would travel, you know, busloads to, to their high schools. And then later, sometime in the year, they would travel to ours. Um, it, it, was, it was delightful. I, I really loved um, being an international person and um, um, seeing the world a, as a bigger place than um, um, other people did. And I guess that I was empowered in that by the fact that um, military bases um, almost everybody on a base has lived in another country. Some people have lived in many other countries. So, you know, I went to high school, uh, uh, grade school and high school with kids who had lived in Japan, Okinawa, the Philippines, Germany, um, just all over the world. And um, it's odd, some, um, some ex-military kids were called brats. It's not a derogatory term, it's just a term. Um, some brats grow up to be conservative, very um, American patriotic, you know, very narrow-minded, very insular, uh, and others like me grow up to be very, uh, very much with a worldview, um, very open-minded, um, very um, attuned to other cultures often preferring other cultures over the American one. And, um, and most of us end up as world travelers. We, we just want to see the world. And when we travel around the world, we, um, we spend a lot of our time with local people in the world, as opposed to you know, hanging around in some resort that's Americans only. So, um, I was very fortunate as an adult to, to marry my wife, who is uh, not a, a TCK, but a very adventurous person and has a, um, a similar worldview that I have. And so that's our, our life as adults. That's a, you know, a longer than normal. <laughs> like all TCKs, the answer is uh, kind of conditioned to the person who asks the question. Oh, absolutely. And you'll notice I phrase it as where did you grow up rather than the sometimes brutal, much dreaded question of what, where were you from? Yeah, I usually don't mind the question. A lot of, I notice on um, Facebook TCK pages, a lot of younger people tend to kind of dread that question or don't quite know how to deal with it. Uh, my attitude is, um, I, uh, I enjoy opening people's minds up. Um, if they can't handle um, 
if they can't handle my answer, I probably am not interested in talking with them much more. Um, if um, I kind of like to, to use it as a, uh, as a shocker, um, and I don't mean that in a negative way, but um, uh, um, in my career, I did a lot of public speaking. Um, and um, I learned that one of the most effective speaking um, uh, techniques is to kind of shock people with something and then um, have it followed by a short silence and then say something impactful to them about that subject. And um, Americans are an exceptionally insular, um, uh, closed-minded, um, odd culture in general. It's not that all Americans, but a, a, a huge percentage of Americans just don't have a worldview at all. They, they view America as the best country in the world and you know everybody is below Americans and um, how they've come to that conclusion, I have no idea because most of them haven't been you know more than two or 300 miles from where they were born. But um, I'm, I'm proud of, of my heritage, as painful as it was at times. I, I'm very proud of the way I grew up. Mm. It, it's interesting what you said, Barry, about um, having been brought up on military bases and the, the interaction that you had with people who were, we could say, quite international. Because I, I've spoken with a number of people, some of whom have had the sort of military base upbringing, and it can be like a sort of like a mini USA in another country, having that sort of um, yes. included, um, environments there. But, but you describe it quite differently as being quite open and welcome to having had the, that international flavor there. And I don't think it's for all um, military kids or families. Yeah. Um, it's probably a minority of us experienced it that way. Um, I have kept up with my three best friends from high school. Um, these, these are guys I've known for 60 years now. Mm -hmm. um, three, two of us grew up to be extremely um, world-oriented, um, very open-minded in our views, uh, very um, liberal in terms of um, our desire to be of service to humanity. One of them um, grew up, he, he, um, we were all successful, by the way. Uh, I was a very successful business entrepreneur, uh, co-founded um, a number of high technology companies. Um, the other one who's more like me, um, he lived numerous places around the world. And um, Bob, um, uh, he joined the Air Force after he went to the Air Force Academy, graduated with honors, um, ended up becoming a major, which is a fairly high ranking uh, position for a young man. Um, bombed Vietnam, hated it, and uh, got out of the Air Force because he just couldn't stand killing people. It, it was just deeply affected his psyche and um, uh, went to law school and became an attorney and did environmental law. 
Um, the third one became uh, an oncologist, a medical doctor, and lived his uh, rest of his life. He's still alive in uh, Hawaii. And um, he's, I would say, um, more open-minded than the fourth guy, but less than Bob and I, mm -hmm. and um, does some world travel, but not a lot, whereas Bob and I do a lot and with our spouses, and became ultra-conservative, closed-minded, um, bigoted, um, bless his heart, he um, he died a year or two ago, and he died a bitter, angry man. Um, so it, it's not the majority of military brats. I, I would say it's a minority of us, but it's a pretty substantial minority, maybe 25 to 30 percent of us mm -hmm. um, grow up with a worldview. Sure. And you did that, have that experience of moving to the Philippines, and as you say, such a a, a nice experience of going there and I'm interested in that too because you mentioned that you moved to the Philippines as a young teenager and yet you, you describe um, just just positive things about your experience there and for many TCKs moving as a young teenager is a quite a it's one of the hardest moves the traumatic time to move yes you know, the onset of adolescence puberty and then you've got the international move but for you it sounded like a wonderful experience yes it was we we had um during my last elementary and um, middle school years, um, and I don't know uh, the correct terminology for Europe, but you know, the, the, um, the pre-adolescent and early adolescent years, um, I was um, fortunate. We lived in numerous different houses those years, but I only went to two schools for a total of four years which was a rare experience. For example, when I was in the third grade, I went to three schools in one year. Um, so we had become kind of settled and I was particularly settled in terms of schools and schoolmates. Um, and then suddenly my, my father actually got orders for Germany and uh, we were kind of excited. You know, we, uh, we didn't want to move the way kids are, you just, you know, particularly TCK kids, you've often, you, you just got settled in and suddenly there's another move facing you. But, um, but we got excited about Germany. And um, two weeks, the house was packed, you know, everything was done. And two weeks before we were to move, um, dad's orders were changed for the Philippines. And we were really upset about that. You know, we had gotten our heart set on um, Germany and we had uh, done research and um, uh, really, you know, so it was a downfall. And plus we had to take 21 major shots in a three day period. So it's like three in one arm, four in the other, come back the next day, four in the opposite arm, three in the other, you know, seven shots a day for three days. And there were, tough shots, you know, diphtheria and malaria stuff, cholera stuff that makes you dizzy when you get the shot. Um, but then um, but then we moved and we absolutely fell in love with the Philippines. And uh, it was just such a, um, 
At that time, the relationships between the Philippines and the US were exceptionally good, mm -hmm. uh, politically, governmentally, um, people to people. Um, in general, people to people, they still are. I, I know a lot of Filipinos here in the US. There, there's actually more Filipinos that live outside the Philippines than live inside the Philippines. It's a poor country, so people, um, you know, they send uh, at least one of their young members of the family somewhere else in the world to make a living and send some of the money back to the family as part of their culture. Mm. Um, so I, I really, um, it, it was just, um, it's still, I'm 77 years old and it's still uh, amongst the most vivid memories of my life, mm -hmm. uh, the Philippines. And, um, and the intercultural skills I developed over there, I use to this day in my travels around the world. I, I just find it exceptionally easy to get to know people, you know, local people, not, um, not tourists, people who live in that country, no matter what the country is. And um, so I, I guess that's an answer to your observation or question. Yeah, is it? Yeah, for, sure. Is, for sure. So Barry, you, you talk, you mentioned, uh, I knew this before we, we spoke from post on Facebook that you lived in an, an incredible 41 houses by the time you were 19 years old. So when you became older and able to make your own choices, how did you then feel about moving? <laughs> it was just my way of life. And so I kept on moving. Yeah. Um, I lived in, um, up until last week, I always said I lived in 27 additional houses as an adult for a total of 68. <clears throat> and then last week I was going through some records, my, my uh, <clears throat> excuse me, my younger brother died a couple of years ago and um, I inherited some old family records and I discovered a house I had totally forgotten about. Nice. So I've actually lived in, <laughs> which was a bit of a surprise. So I've actually lived in 28 houses as an adult and for a total of, <clears throat> of 69 in my life. I, I um, think you're forgiven that, that, that that's a lot of houses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. about uh, 40 or 50 years ago, I sat down with my mom to try to reconstruct all these different places that I'd lived. Uh, it was just a, um, it was an oddity to me. I, I could never figure out, well, why did we do this? And, you know, she would kind of scratch her head and she'd say, well, you know, Barry, after the war, um, there was building shortages and um and housing shortages. Um, the baby boom had started, and um, every time you could find a bigger house, if you were lucky enough to find one, we just moved. And you know, we were. Uh, this is her talking. We were having babies, and uh, so we just moved every time we could. Figuring there'd be another baby coming along sometime. So um, I guess the most uh, difficult move of all was when I was still. Um, 
the very last, I had got, already gone to two high schools and then we moved to, uh, to a third high school in um, Louisiana, which to this day, I wouldn't consider living in there if my life depended, you know, I'd say, just shoot me. Um, it, it, it was an absolutely terrible place. It was an exceptionally racist state at the time. This was in 1960. Uh, I was shocked at all the racism. I mean, I, I guess I shouldn't have been, but I had never been around overt racism like that. And um, the local school was, um, the teachers were decent, but the administrator, the principal and assistant principal, really did not like military kids and let us know that they didn't like us. Mm -hmm. We constituted 35% of the student body and most of us had lived in multiple countries. Um, despite only being 35% of the students, we accounted for 80% of the um, academic excellence. Um, you know, the, the various um, honorary organizations, academic on, honorary organizations, we just dominated them. And uh, the administrators who were, you know, dyed in the wool Southerners that, you know, their thinking extended 20 miles radius from the town, um, they didn't like us. And um, we got along fairly well with the local kids, but they were very, very slow to accept us. Uh, they kind of looked up to us. Um, they, I think they were somewhat envious of our um, broader view of things. And, you know, that all four of the valedictorians, um, and I was one of them, um, were military kids. Um, so it was an odd experience, but it was um, it was weird also. Mm. Um, as an adult, most of the moves I had were either in, um, um, well, I lived in, let's see, Louisiana twice as an adult, uh, Texas, I think four or five times, Maryland, North Carolina, New Mexico twice. And then finally, when I was in my mid thirties, I moved to California. And even though I lived in several different towns, it, it was all in the Silicon Valley area of California. And I really enjoyed that area. It was very, um, very multicultural, uh, international. And um, <clears throat> so it was, um, uh, the, the adult experience of moving was pretty good. Um, when I met my wife, she, even though she had lived in a lot of different parts of the nation, <laughs> excuse me, I've got a, kind of a frog in my throat, um, she was not interested in moving as much as I did. So um, we've lived in our present home for <clears throat> 10 and a half years, which exceeds by you know, over five years any place I've lived in my life. That sounds like a long time for you, Barry. Oh, that's a real long time. And we love it. You know, it, it is our home. It's the first place I've ever considered as home. I always use the word house for everywhere else, whereas I use the word home for this place. What, what's changed for you? What, what makes this place feel like home and somewhere that you, you've wanted to stay for this long, which has ended up being the Well, we bought an older home 
in a very nice um, uh, neighborhood. It's called the Old Southwest. It's where I live in Reno, Nevada. Um, Reno is not anywhere close to Las Vegas by the hour drive to Las Vegas from Reno. <laughs> um, it's um, at the foot of the Sierra Nevada mountains. So we can be in the mountains in like 20 minutes. Um, we're very close to Lake Tahoe. Um, those aren't the attractions, although we like the Tahoe area. The attraction was we bought this house and um, all my career, even though I was an executive and an entrepreneur, I would always buy um, usually an older home. And um, my hobbies always had to do with building things with my hands. So I, I remodeled quite a number of older homes. And this one was, um, even though it was an extremely nice neighborhood, the previous owner had kind of, um, they'd gone through a divorce and they weren't making payments and, or she wasn't. And um, when people don't make payments on houses, they just quit taking care of them. So it was, it was pretty trashed. And um, I spent um, two or three years making this house ours, total remodel, you know, doing things myself, um, we, my wife and I re-landscaped it, doing the work ourselves. We didn't hire landscapers. We did it, um, has all oak floors. We did this. Um, we painted every room in the house. Um, we remodeled almost every aspect of, I mean, it's, you know, we, we put a lot of money in it, but we put a lot of ourselves, a lot of our heart, a lot of our, um, our creativity. We're both pretty creative people. So and um, yours, you've made it your home and the place you want to be. Yes, it's it's um, it's extremely homey. Everybody that walks into our house, we we have we have um, natural, untrained but natural interior design skills, and people walk into our house and they just they ooh and ah. They say, "Oh, this is the homiest place I've ever seen. It's just beautiful." Like a lot of TCKs, I, as a kid, I didn't have much, um, you know, all the moves, every time you move, you had to throw away a lot of stuff that you, was dear to you. And, um, and as an adult, later adult, I began collecting things, things I always wanted when I was a kid. So I have a collection of scale model cars, about 200 of them, some I've made, some I just bought. I, I collect antique cameras, antique radios, um, uh, Amer Native American artifacts, um, um, miniature lamps, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, scale model trains. <laughs> and I, so our home has my collections and my wife's collections displayed, which get, gives us a sense of um, not only permanence, it's okay to leave these things here. You know, it's, it's, they're ours. This home is ours, but also a sense of home. Mm. So I don't consider Reno my home. I consider Reno my city, but not my home. I certainly don't consider Nevada my state. I, I you know, it's not, I have no relation with Nevada, but this house is, is my home. Yeah, yeah, I get that. So, Barry, it sounds like you're at a point in your life now where you look back and, yes, you had that very nomadic upbringing, those incredible number of moves, 
but you sound very positive about the experience and you know you describe your successful career and how you've been able to make your home now and to kind of finish on a, a fairly positive note, because as usual, these, these podcast episodes, they fly by. We, we, we just have a couple of minutes left. But, but what do you think has really helped you to get to where you are now? Well, the TCK experience can be extremely painful. Yeah. And, and I think all of us pay a price probably far more than most people realize the the constant moving the the changing it's a develop i i originally trained as a psychologist so i kind of understand developmental processes on the other hand it gave us such a rare experience um i think that uh, i capitalized on the rare goodness of it the um the adaptability, the flexibility, the creativity, the resourcefulness, the persistence, the perseverance, um, the, the, the good parts of being a TCK uh, are, are so deeply embedded in my psyche and, and who I am that um, I just naturally use them in whatever situation I'm in. I, I have gone through um, in business, in my personal life, um, in almost every aspect of my life. By the time you're 77, let me tell you, it's not all good. You go through, sure. you know, you go through good times and bad times in life. And I've had my my share of the bad times, but I always come through and I always come through in um, a very positive uh, manner. And I learn and grow from every single experience that that I have in life. And that's my commitment, by the way. I, I have actually articulated my personal uh, philosophy in writing. Um, and it's not something that's a um, uh, an affirmation. It's something that's just fact. This is who I am. Uh, so, so the answer would be I, I've concentrated on the um, on the positives and and stayed aware of the negatives uh, you know i don't try to suppress them i'm aware of them but um uh, a a weakness can always be turned into a strength mm. and a strength overused becomes a weakness so you know i i try to keep life in balance that um i guess i'd have to say that's um that would sum it up is is use your strengths don't overuse them, uh, turn weaknesses into strengths and keep life in balance. I, I think that's exactly it, Barry. You, you've summed that up well. It's the, as I like to call it, the TCK seesaw of challenges versus benefits. And let's just, you know, really focus on those challenges. Barry, yes. we are out of time, but it's been an absolute pleasure to speak with you this evening. Thank you so much for joining me. Well, thank you. My pleasure. Thanks for listening to People Like Us. If you'd like to join an online community full of people like us, hop over to Facebook and search for People Like Us. You'll find my group and you're very welcome to join us. <laughs>